0: Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we explore the subtlety and nuance inside the world of personal protection. Listen as industry experts, thought leaders, and pioneers investigate why it depends is the answer of champions. Ballistic Radio, critical thought over empty rhetoric. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. And now, here's your host, John Johnston.
1: Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. I'm your host, uh, John Johnson. No one cares about me. And you shouldn't, because the guests are the important part, but also... Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, other things at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. As soon as I work myself up to being able to handle how awful social media is. No, seriously, it's awful. But like me on Facebook because, you know, that matters to you. Anyway, I'm super excited to have on the show... Uh, Caleb Giddings.
0: Caleb. Hey, John. How are you? I had to, Good. I had to turn my volume down after that extremely enthusiastic intro.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So the older I get, um, and this is like the, and and trust me, I understand the, the problem inherent with this, but like my willingness to subject myself to social media as I age is like lessening over time. But the problem is that My job kind of involves social
0: media It's, it's, I can't win here, but uh, I I was literally having that conversation with my wife because some dude on my Instagram was calling me fat and I'm like, uh, okay, that's rude. Yeah. And I mean, you know, but it's social media. And she's like, why do you still do that? And I'm like, because my ability to make money is uh, somewhat intertwined with my being a visible presence on social media. So, you know, I kind of have to put up with it. She's like, but people are so mean. And I'm like, yes, yes, they are. But having said that, I do have to caveat for the most part, the only time I get that sort of stuff anymore is when I have content that sort of gets out of the ecosystem of followers that I've cultivated over the years and when it sort of goes out into like gen pop gun owners that's really when I kind of start to get the um weirdo feedback we'll call it yeah
1: well it's you know social media is both uh great and awesome and amazing and accessible all at the same time and Frankly, I've just had some stuff going on, uh, logistically in a professional sense, just personal stuff going on. That it's like, all right, I need to focus on this other, these other things a little bit right now. This will always be here. I can, I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna work on me, you know, which sounds lame, but I am the basic white girl, like stereotype. <laughs> in every way shape and form and you're laughing because you know it's true
0: i am yeah no you're the whitest white like you are the whitest white girl that i know uh and like i include actual white women in this conversation i'm
1: i'm fine with that i have no problem with that everyone should be who they are and and that's i actually think that that is one of the things about and look at us, we're already, we, we sat down before we recorded it's like, here's what we're going to talk about, you know, assuming our ADHD doesn't get in the way. And it's like immediately, totally different conversation. But that's kind of, that's kind of one of my problems with social media in general and maybe life in general is that so many people try really hard to be something that they are not instead of, you know, just embracing the things about them that are, you know, maybe they're not unique because they're similar with other things, but the combination of everything is unique. And like, I'm proud of who I am. I worked hard to get here. Um, Like I like pumpkin spice lattes. I'd wear I... on boots, but they don't make them in my calf size. You know, it's fine. Like whatever. And if you think that's lame, that's cool. You can think it's lame.
0: Yeah. I, uh, also like pumpkin spice lattes, although I will say, Uh, I found that this last year's pumpkin spice latte seemed sweeter than it had in the past. Like they just went heavier on like the sugar in the formulation versus uh, kind of more of that like uh, earthy pumpkin flavor. And I wonder if they had, I I wonder if they changed their standards or changed their recipe or something like that. Cause standards are important.
1: They are. And you know, maybe what happens here (laughs) is they had a minimum standard and that's all they were worried about. And like, I know both of us feel really pleased with ourselves right now because <laughs>
0: yep.
1: like you set it up and I just immediately flowed into it. So we, we were having a conversation uh, privately because for those that don't know, Caleb and I actually, I mean, I like you. I don't want to speak for, for you, but I assume you like me too. We're pretty good friends. We've and, known each other uh,
0: forever too.
1: Um, Well, funny enough, little known fact, Um, and well, you know this because you were there for it, but you actually gave me my very first paid writing assignment in the gun industry. That's right. I did. You did. And I just, I kind of want to apologize that (laughs) I tricked you into doing that, but it worked out pretty well for me. So I would say it was money well
0: spent, but yeah. Yeah. So So, yeah, we were talking about this offline and we were having this conversation about standards and training. And it was sort of triggered because I was listening to an episode that you did with our other mutual friend, Sarah Hopman. And you mentioned something about how you don't like the idea of minimum training standards. And I was, I remember very clearly, I was driving, I was driving through, I want to say Indiana on my way to go shoot a match or something like that. And I was like, ooh, I need to like, bookmark this as a thing and this was last summer that we had this idea so obviously our schedules are kind of crazy in that it took us this long to actually record the episode
1: well you know you'd you've got a kid i've got two there's this weird like plague going around and so far i'm the last person standing in my family that hasn't gotten it and i think that's going to change in the next couple of days so i'm glad we're recording this now before you get it yeah yeah
0: yeah um but hey i should probably tell people why i'm qualified to talk about the subject of minimum trading standards because not that someone might be listening to this for the very first time and have no idea who you are or i well they probably would know who you are because they're listening to your show but Uh, For people who are wondering, and the reason why we're talking about training standards is, in addition to being a uh, master class uh, revolver shooter in a couple different disciplines, um, and my my real job, I work for Athlon Outdoors and the digital editor for Tactical Life uh, and associate editor on a couple other projects, but where I like, the reason why I kind of want to talk about this training standards thing is my other other job is I'm a firearms instructor for the Air Force. And the Air Force is the only branch of the military that has firearms instructor as a full time primary job. So uh, I'm in the Air Force Reserve. And that means every month when I go to drill, you know, other people are walking laps around the building with, you know, clipboards trying to look busy. I'm either teaching carbine classes or rifle class or uh, handgun classes, excuse me. And the vast majority of the time, I am teaching these classes to people who don't touch guns as part of their military occupation or their civilian occupation and in many cases frequently they don't even have like gun ownership as a hobby they're just sort of like they might have like a deer rifle or something like that but i'm teaching these classes to people who are at the very the very wide end of the what we'd call the gun ownership funnel where they're like what end is the dangerous end
1: right right And they don't necessarily have an intrinsic interest in learning this stuff so much as they have to, if they want to get paid.
0: Right. And, you know, and so that's kind of the thing. And that's been my exposure over the years to this idea of minimum standards. And it's why I oppose them. Like I'm opposed to the idea of a, this is, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to explain to people because I'm 100% in favor of the idea of getting training before you go get your concealed carry permit and you go out and carry a gun out in the world among people. Like, I love that idea. And I think everyone should do it. However, I'm opposed to the idea of mandatory minimum standards because what you end up with and what anybody who has been to anybody who like gets to a certain level of shooting is like, I'm going to go to a CCW basic class has seen anyone who's been in the military or law enforcement has seen is that when you have a minimum standard you don't teach people past the standard you invariably teach down to the standard
1: well and i kind of want to i want to riff off that a little bit um but let's do this because we're coming up on the end of the uh the segment so what we'll do is just take a, a brief pause from for a word from our sponsors uh, right now, we're talking with Caleb Giddings. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms, And accessories, as well as the X-9 series of firearms, which offers discriminating shooters, 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics and concealability with modern service pistol capacity, as well as reliability at wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Caleb Giddings and you were saying before the break that your problem with minimum standards is that people teach down to the standard. And the thing that I wanted to kind of tack on to that and then see what you had to say about it is conceptually as an instructor, you know, and I've been doing this not as long as everyone else has, but I've been doing it for a little while now. And I know you have as well, but from a mindset standpoint, if you're teaching to a minimum standard, and frankly, even if you're teaching to a, you know, what we would consider a more advanced standard you're still conceptually not necessarily thinking about how can I make this person the best shooter that they are capable of being? You're thinking about how can I get this person to pass the test? And we know over and over again that people who study to pass tests essentially don't actually internalize knowledge the same way that people do when they're just trying to learn and that's kind of my problem with it one of my problems with it i don't know. and if you want to say hey that's bullshit or or whatever like i i want to hear what you have to
0: say about that no i absolutely agree with that and we see that you know and my frame of reference for this i don't teach uh civilian ccw basic courses because i get enough time teaching very entry-level cut owners in the military um i teach at least two classes a month Uh, usually anywhere from 10 to uh, 20 students in them. And I absolutely agree with that. And you can see with my students, because they're in the military, they were told they have to be there, right? It's like, hey, guess what? You're deploying, you've got to go qualify, or you've got to do your every three-year rope or whatever it is. And what we see is the students that are just there to check the box will sometimes, I've seen students brain dump from the trip to the classroom out to the range. Like Mm -hmm. we do, I I do dry fire. So in class, I teach, uh, M9, I teach a lot of, uh, I'll teach uh, stance, grip, dry fire, draw, in that order is how I teach it. And I have to check a bunch of other uh, military boxes as well. But And what I've seen is I will have students who in the classroom, their stance grip, dry fire and draw all look acceptable, right? I'm like, these are good. This will get you done. And they get out to the range. And then the time it takes them to walk the 20 meters from the classroom to the range. And that first round goes off. They have brain dumped everything and their elbows are locked. They're doing the lean back. isosceles, And I'm just like, how did you, I mean, you walked 20 meters. How did you brain dump three hours of instruction if with one bullet? Yeah. So, and you see that, and you, I will say this too, we do have students who want to be there and they're interested in it. maybe the light guns or something like that. They tend to not brain dump because they're looking at it as an opportunity to learn. But the other problem that I have with the minimum standards is from an instructor standpoint, I have to hit, and this is true, whether you're teaching again, like a state mandated CCW course or a, um, or a military law enforcement course, I have to hit certain things in my class, right? I have to talk about this. I have to talk about that. I have to do this. And I have X amount of hours to do it in. So if I am trying to get 20 people qualified and I have an eight-hour workday to do that, and I know I've got four hours for classroom and four hours for range, if someone falls behind... I don't necessarily have the luxury of going and being like, hey, we're going to pull the throttle back a little bit. We're going to slow the pace of the class down so that we can get you to the speed that we're going, that we need to get you to. We don't, it's not like when you go to uh, an enrollment only civilian class or something like that, where the instructor can tailor the pace of the class to the class's lowest common denominator. Uh, The pace of the class is the pace of the class. Yeah. And it's the pace of a class because I have eight hours and I have to cover all of these points and I have to get everybody fired through the 90 round course of fire with leaving additional time for refires if necessary. So, you know, it's like, and so when you then take that and that, and the thing is you can make that work in a military setting because if someone fails, they just come back next month. Right. I'm like, all right, you're coming back next month. And maybe after a couple of tries, they'll get through it. I really don't like it for a civilian setting because when you're pacing your class at the pace of the class, regardless of the learning speed or processing speed of the students, you invariably invariably, will leave people behind. And that's how you end up with you know, these people in states that have minimum requirements who will then go on Yelp and be like, this was the worst class ever. I didn't learn anything. All he did was click through a PowerPoint and blah, blah, blah.
1: Well, and the other thing too, so this is... And I think, uh, I think Melody and I are somewhat unique in this, in that we teach a class that, and, and you've been through it, so you can comment on this. Um, we teach a class that has wildly disparate skill levels show up, and we're trying to get concepts across that, you know, whether or not there's a qual involved, and we've been moving away from those a little bit. The, the concepts are the important part and getting the student to be able to think with a gun in their hand is the important part, but we also need to keep it challenging for everyone there. So it, it becomes, when, when you start talking about you know slowing the pace of the class for the lowest common denominator, I don't even know that that's something that I personally would agree with so much as having the flexibility to focus on the things that are important in the moment uh as far as you know okay i got one student that's struggling maybe i need to take a little bit of time with them i'm not gonna hose everyone else that showed up prepared but you know there's some stuff that i can you know pull there's some stuff i can spend a little bit more time on there's some stuff that i can modify so it'll still be challenging but also safe for uh, the person that's struggling to do. And like, I've got flexibility. You know, Melody has flexibility. Like, we have flexibility to, you know, go the direction that that specific class and each class is its own animal needs to go. Whereas when you have that minimum standard of, you know, I've got to check all of these boxes, like you were saying, that's just not an option.
0: Yeah, it really isn't. And it can be very frustrating too because you know, we have, and I can't speak to any other instructor, but myself, or, you know, my partners that I work with at my unit, we have really good instructors, we have passionate instructors who are good shooters. And there are times when, you know, as an instructor, I want to be like, you know, I want to be able to like hand the class off for a minute and be like, Hey, I'm going to take this one, we're going to go like, fix your frickin grip, right, or do this or something like that. So it's tough. Because, you know, when you have a minimum standard, you, you have to – it's tough if you're a good instructor. If you're just a cheese dick who wants to click through a PowerPoint and check the boxes, then it's great. Go out and teach your CCW basic class, cash your checks, and throw uneducated, inarticulate gun owners out there in the world. And I say that knowing full well that I am just as guilty of that because there have been people I've had through my mill classes where I'm like, all you have to do is hit this big green piece of paper – 35 times out of 45 shots and i will give you the hominous dominus to carry a weapon on duty right like that's my job yeah. and there are times where i'm like i'm not like 35 like as a complete aside it drives me absolutely bananas that the air force qualification allows you to miss the target which is bigger than a b27 with 10 entire bullets and still be qualified but that's a completely different, well, it's sort of a related rate. It's a minimum standards rant.
1: Yeah, well, and that's, I actually have a thought on that too. But again, we're starting to get towards the, I'm trying to break myself of the habit of asking a, a question and then interrupting the guest before they can address it. So, oh, that's smart. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like after ten years, I'm learning how to do my job.
0: <laughs> weird,
1: weird, odd. Uh, anyway, we're talking with Caleb Giddings, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio. I uh, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. And you know what else Big Tech's Ordinance has done? They have sponsored this segment. Big Tech's Ordinance is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs, at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the Candela from ModLight at the lowest price, no problem. Spend too much time alone in your room, and your mom was right, and now you need an RMR or some other optic on your carry pistol. Well, Big Tech's Ordnance has those. Glock accessories, yes, fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, get ready for the pop culture references, Big Tech's Ordinance has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike, everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike too. Visit BigTechsOrdnance.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So, we're talking with Caleb Giddings, and and you were sort of discussing like the the propensity, or even just sometimes the sad reality that there are students that you just you wave them through because you you know you know they could be better, you know that man this is rough, and you just wave them through.
0: Um, you, and, you check the box and. Yeah we and a lot of the times too at least on the military side and especially on the air force side i guess sort of the way that i'm comfortable i make myself comfortable checking the box is the knowledge that you know when i'm like qualified so when i'm qualifying like a a c-130 pilot right i know that that gun is going to get put in a locker and it's going to stay there and it's not going to come out until the end of the mission no matter where they go and if it does come out, then I don't know. I I, I probably screwed up, and I probably shouldn't qualify them. But you know, the idea is—it's sort of this idea of I know this person's not ever going to actually use this weapon, but I shouldn't have that mindset, and I have that mindset, and you, uh, and it's very, very difficult to fight that mindset. You can fight it for one class, you can fight it for two classes or three classes, but four or five or I've been an instructor, I've been an Air Force instructor for six, seven years now, teaching two classes a month for that amount of time. And And because there is that minimum standard, and because the minimum standard is so low and so basic, you get to a point where you just sort of accept, well, it's the minimum standard. And hey, this guy was, you know, he passed the minimum standard. And I, you think about that. And that minimum standard mindset creeps in. And every now and then I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh my God, I would never want that guy carrying a weapon concealed like in a freaking Costco. Like if there was an active shooter in a Costco and this guy had a gun that I allegedly trained, would I want him to engage that active shooter? And the answer is very, very frequently, hell no.
1: Right. Well, and again, so we're all kind of victims of circumstance at times, right? And And I- completely understand what you're talking about um i'll tell you and i've told this story before but i'll tell it again i don't know if i've ever told it to you um whatever part of me existed that maybe would have fallen into that trap um absolutely was burned out of me and afraid of washington a couple of years ago and i i can tell you exactly what happened I had a woman show up at class, uh, our armed parent class and we're doing the introductions and she, uh, was visibly just kind of upset when she showed up and I'm like, oh, something's going on. So, and, you know, I, I try and, I try and figure that out, uh, anyway, just because, but so I'm talking to her and, you know, we get to the, why are you here part? And she goes, well, My husband was always responsible for protecting our family, but then he got sick and we decided I should probably come here uh, and take this class. And it turns out that her husband had a terminal illness, uh, had already beat the initial projections by a significant amount. And he ended up dying 27 days after the class. And I was thinking about it. Jesus. Yes. And one of the things that he wanted to have happen, he wanted to know that she was able to take care of not only herself, but their kids. And anyway, I spent a lot of time after that class just going over in my head, like, did I give her 100% of me? And I I think I did. I, I really do think I did, but I didn't know it like, for 100% fact, like, 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 because I was asking the question. And I'll tell you, man, um, that experience was, you know, as as Craig Douglas would say, an emotional bookmark um, for me as an instructor, because I don't, I don't know who's coming to my class. I don't know what's going on in their lives. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. And and for me, like my 100 percent goal every single time is to leave everything I got, you know, on on the floor of the range uh, and, and be able to, to walk away from the class and and say, I did everything I know how to do to give this person what what they need. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have that before that moment. Um, I was, I was a super selfish instructor, uh, when I first started, you know, and like, and I'm not saying that in like a, you know, self-flagellating sort of way, but just like honest assessment, like I was a selfish instructor and, you know, that's not, you know, for me personally, um, I think ultimately that's, if I, if I examine the root cause of why minimum standards just really bug me, it's it's the mindset that you're talking about and
0: the mindset mm-hmm. that
1: it's impossible to avoid if that's your life day
0: in and day out. Um, well, you, you know? it, 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 yeah, no, I do because I remember my first... I can still remember the first classes I taught as a military firearms instructor and I poured my heart and soul into them because... I wanted to make every single person in that class a better shooter, a better marksman, and a more and someone who was at the very least capable of being thoughtful and articulate with a gun in their hands, right? Yeah. And you get and and I think that if I taught open enrollment classes, you know, with people who genuinely wanted to be there and all of that, I don't think that I would have. I, I'm I'm certain I would have hit burnout and things like that because everyone does, but I don't think I would have ever gotten to where I am now, where I've just essentially, and I mean, this is, you know, an indictment of myself. I allow myself to teach down to that standard because after so many classes where I put my heart and soul into it and I leave my guts on the range and people are like still not paying attention, they're still... Locking and I'm not talking about, you know, these are not complex things. Bend your freaking elbows, don't hinge at your waist, rotate your bo- your body weight forward. That's not a complex concept, right? Yeah. And then I teach that, and people do don't do the things that I say. And I'm like, all right, fine, screw it. You know what? I'll teach exact I will teach. I will teach my curriculum and you go out on the range and do whatever the hell you want to do because you are not my problem the minute you walk off this range. And that's, you know, it's tough. And I'm, again, I say this fully as an indictment of me. And I'm sure that someone will listen to this and be like, well, I've been teaching for a gajillion years and I've never done that. So I'm clearly better than Caleb. You know what, dude? Maybe you are. Like for real if if you can say that you've been teaching CCW basic classes for 20 years and have never allowed yourself to teach down to the standard, then you are a freaking superhero and God bless you for that. But what I can say based on my experience with dealing with minimum standards and with dealing with, you know, other instructors who are teaching the same thing is it creeps in after time and it's insidious because you don't, notice it creeping in until one day you teach a class and you go that wasn't a very good class what the hell is wrong with me am I bad at this
1: well and I think that the other thing too and and for those that are listening to the show that are trying to like why are we having this conversation um if you've been paying attention to the show
0: we're having this uh, conversation because we're friends and we wanted to
1: well not only that but part of the thing that I have tried to sort of explore um especially the last couple of years is really just instead of a, Hey, look, this is all awesome. Um, let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Let's have, you know, I've tried to create a safe space where people can come on and I I'm, I'm only semi ironically using the safe space term. Uh, but I've tried to create a, a place where people can come on and be human and just talk about some of the stuff going on. And hopefully you're listening to this conversation and co- and go, okay, that was interesting. Does this apply to me? Does this apply to something I've experienced? And the thing too, is that I think that if you remove this from, from firearms and just think about life, almost all of us have had an experience where you go somewhere and you want the, you want to be a part of the team that makes everything better. You want to strive for excellence, but the standard is mediocrity. The standard is mediocrity. Excellence is not rewarded. In fact, it's punished. And, you know, like there's nothing to be done and that crushes people um, and it makes people not care and it makes people, you know, just check the box, just check the box, do enough work to not get fired. Um, and there's plenty of people in the world doing that. And there are certain people um, that I can never imagine doing that. And they're, they're my role models, like, you know, uh, Chris Cypert, who I who I work with, I cannot ever imagine
0: him just checking the box. Yeah, but that's not fair to compare yourself to actual Captain America. Right? I, understand. <laughs> I, I understand.
1: Well, but the, the, and this actually goes back to the point. Like, we need to have excellence as the goal, whether or not we ever hit it. Because the important part of this is, you know, finding a way to always try to be the best version of you that you can be whether you're a firearms instructor a nurse or you know a fucking janitor and and that's the thing because when people do that they stand out it is noticeable it impacts so many aspects of life how many times have you gone to like a McDonald's or or you know like a a Safeway or a gas station and you can tell that the person is not only good at their job, but takes pride in their job and it doesn't matter what the job is. and it's like noticeable, right?
0: yeah, two story uh like every time I go to a chick-fil-A and the person seems and i'm I know it's a it's funny to like talk about how good chick-fil-A's customer service is, but it's the difference between when i go to chick-fil-a and even if they're like fake happy they're at least energetic and enthusiastic versus going to mcdonald's and having a bag of cheeseburgers thrown through my window
1: yeah i mean if you've had enough drinks and you're in the passenger seat having a a bag of cheeseburgers land in your lap is actually the best thing ever but
0: (laughs) yeah it is
1: i i I know what you mean hey we've got to go to break uh when we get back we'll maybe wrap all this up. Who knows? Right now, we're talking with Caleb Giddings. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtextordinance.com. So, Caleb, we have sort of meandered around all of this, and we've sort of identified an issue. And You know, we've somehow gotten to, uh, honestly, what we're talking about is the importance of culture, Mm -hmm. Uh, culture of an organization, and frankly, the mental games that you have to play with yourself to strive to make a difference in small ways. Um, You know, I think when everyone is a kid, they want to be a superhero. They want to change the world for the better. And some people do that. Um, but you know, for the most part, any impact we have is going to be pretty small. But the thing that I think people miss is that those small impacts over time make a giant difference. You know what? They really do. do.
0: No, they really do. You know, it's uh, it's I was just talking to my wife about this last night about how my favorite meme is. The one where it's like, how come everybody thinks that you could go back in time and make one small change and everything would be difficult, different when you came back to the present day, but nobody wants to make one small change right now. Yeah, and you know, from and for me, you know, when I had this realization that, uh, by the way, I hope nobody thinks that we're going to solve this problem of minimum standards because we're not. Uh, I think that to your point, if you are in an environment where you have minimum standards that you have to deal with, and you maybe you have disinterested students or students who are just trying to check a box or something like that. This may not work for everybody, but what I have started trying to do since I had this sort of moment where I realized I was just teaching down to the book is in my class, the first thing I try to do is identify attention levels. And there is always going to be one student who is not interested in being there for any reason other than to check their box and if i have another student who is there to learn who is interested in more who is interested in more than just checking the box if i can identify who those students are i can then tailor my emotional energy level to that student the box check guy we're going to check your boxes dude you know what i will give you some feedback i'm hey maybe try this with your grip but if you don't want to try it go with God. You're not my problem. But if I have someone there who is attentive and willing to learn, then they're going to get more of my attention because they're there to learn. And yeah. I don't think this applies as much in open enrollment classes. So if you teach open enrollment in classes, this doesn't really apply as much, but in your CCW courses that are state mandated and stuff like that, you're going to get box checkers and you're going to get people who want to learn.
1: Oh, I I think it absolutely does apply. And I have I have a couple of examples, but please continue.
0: So I think that for and this is again, this is what I have done so that I can look at myself in the mirror and say, did I give those students my best? And I can say I didn't give every single one of those students my best because not every single one of those students was interested in receiving my best. But Mm -hmm. the ones that were got the best that I had. And maybe all I did was fix their grip. Maybe they have severe marksmanship flaws that, you know, would take a lot more time and effort to work out. Maybe I fixed their grip. Maybe they found out what I, their dominant eye is, you know, but if I can point to something that I did in that class that did make them better, even if it's one person or two people, because I had two people that were actually there to learn, then I know I did my job as an instructor because the people that were there to learn, went away having learned something and the people there that would check a box. I did my job as a box checker too, but I can't, I think it's very important that you don't do a disservice to your students. Everybody's getting the same material, but some people are getting more attention because they're giving more attention. And I just don't think at this point, Maybe it's just me as a person, but I'm very not, very much not interested in investing emotional effort into people who aren't willing to invest any sort of emotional effort back into me. It's a freaking, relationships, whether they're friendships or teacher-student relationships are in fact a two-way street. And if you don't want to like pedal on that same street with me, then I will check the box and I will perform my duty as an instructor, but you're not getting like the, you're not getting the energy level of the person who wants to ride the bike with me. Or next right. to me, whatever that analogy got a little tortured at the end with the bikes and the streets but well no i i'm you know
1: i know you like two-wheeled cutesy vehicles and roads so like i'm we don't need to get into that um no i think that happens in open enrollment classes too and and for me um last class i taught i can actually i had a i had a great group of students i knew most of them they were awesome. I had one student show up, uh, Casey. And if she, if she listens to this, I'll, I'll call her out. Um, completely impressed me. And the part in, that impressed me was how hungry she was to learn. So everyone gets my best. Um, and everyone is going to get what, whatever it is that I can do so that they walk away from that class having improved somehow. But every once in a while, I'll get someone that shows up that just wants to be better. And they will get whatever they need from me. You know, send me send me a Facebook message at 1230 in the morning asking me a weird question. Great. I love it. I'm glad you're learning. Hey, want me to watch dry fire video and, and give you some pointers? Absolutely. It's free. You student in my class and, and you really want to learn Like, I'm going to help you. And I've got a bunch of students that are like that, that I've built those relationships with. And you are absolutely correct. If someone is willing to work hard and is willing to invest their time, um, and it's an investment. And that's the thing too, is I'm, I'm very aware that if someone's giving me their time, they are spending something with me that they have no idea how much of it they have and they can't ever get any more. I mean we we've all got a timer running somewhere and we don't know what's on it. And if someone is taking time and and you know giving me their attention that way, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bend in half to try and do everything I can for them. And and that makes complete sense. But again, that is that is the antithesis of a minimum standard that is someone that again is striving for excellence, whatever Mm. excellence is for them. And that's the point. And I think that's the fundamental flaw when we start talking about minimum standards, when we say a minimum standard, the implication is this is everything you need and it's not because we don't know what we're going to need. And there's always more nuance. And there's always like more and I just wish people could get that and i've been noticing that a lot on facebook there's you know a lot of absolute statements that get thrown around i'm like that's a lot more complex than you're making it sound right now man
0: if i could go back in time and scrub my blog my facebook my instagram of all of the dumb absolute statements i had made i have made over the years uh i I would like if I could Thanos snap all of that out of existence I'd be like yep nope I'm 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 smarter now there's a lot more gray areas there's a lot more nuance than I was capable of realizing
1: yeah well and that's the thing is that for as simple as all of this stuff is at the end of the day there are so many concepts that can be approached from so many different directions and you know you and I, for instance, could pick any number of topics and probably spend a couple of hours disagreeing, but agreeing, but like enjoying the conversation just because I like like exploring that kind of, you know, stuff. And so many people are just looking for a box to check. And, and that is at the end of the day, the giant problem with even minimum standards as a concept. Um, they just remove so much room that is necessary
0: for actual growth yeah when you can't have you know the problem with any minimum standard is a minimum standard eliminates nuance because it is the standard and when you eliminate that you know and just to, to go back to the Air Force, in the so the Air Force, we have our minimum... I'll use our pistol uh, course because I teach a lot of pistol. Our pistol course, we have two standards. We have the qualification standard and then we have the expert marksman standard where you get a little ribbon. Um, the expert marksman standard allows you to miss the target, the entire green B27 target with three entire rounds and still make, make expert marksman. Now, I have a problem with that, but... That's not the point. The point is that in the eyes of the standard, someone who just barely makes that expert marksman standard is in the eyes of the air force, exactly the same as we have a guy in my shop who's an A-class USPSA shooter and he shoots it where he puts 11 rounds in the head box, you know, 30 in the high center chest box, and then has maybe like one or two flyers that are still on the paper but he hits it all 45 rounds, and all of his hits are really good, and maybe one or two you know, minor flyers. In the eyes of the Air Force, because of the standard, and the standard has removed the nuance from that conversation, he is the same marksman as the guy who just barely squeaks by and meets the minimum standard to make expert and misses the target with three entire bullets. And I... I don't like that because again, it eliminates that nuance from the conversation. It eliminates the ability to say, hey, there's a lot more to this than just the standard.
1: Well, and man, I want to keep talking about this, but we're we're at the end of the show. Um, so I think what we're going to have to do is, you know, just have you come back on sometime and continue, <laughs> yeah,
0: continue Standards to- Standards part two. <laughs>
1: well, you know what's, You know what I actually realized the other day, um, and this is kind of weird, but you and I both have been doing this long enough now uh, that we're actually starting to become the angry old men yelling at clouds. No. Yeah. We're getting old, Uh,
0: Caleb. Yeah. I'm going to turn 40 this year, actually. So that is Uh, genuinely, my wife says I'm having a midlife crisis, so
1: next year for me. Uh, Yeah. Right. Well, Hey, no one's killed us yet. So that's, that's good. Uh, If people want to uh, watch you make the internet mad, where can they
0: do that at? Uh, You know, I'm not so much in the business of making the internet mad anymore, but uh, if you guys want to follow my content, you know, I'm very active on Instagram at r a d i. Caleb. It's a portmanteau. It's when you take two words and you match them together. Um, Active on Instagram at Radicaleb. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Caleb Shooting. I still have a YouTube channel. Just search uh, for Caleb Giddings on YouTube. I don't really post on it much. Um, And then go to uh, tacticallife.com. That's tactical life.com. I am the uh, digital editor. So if you see anything on that website, it has at least passed through my eyes. And then I also do some direct authorship for there as well. So anything under my byline is written, uh, wholly by me. So yeah, tactical life.com, uh, Instagram at Radicale and facebook.com slash Caleb shooting. And I talk a lot about revolvers guys. Like you should know, this is like the first time I've mentioned a revolver in this whole episode, eh? <laughs> which well, is kind of weird.
1: Well, so honestly, like old me, would have been like, I'm going to have Caleb on and talk about revolvers, but that's dumb because you're going to do that anyway. I want to yeah. talk about the stuff that like you don't get room to talk about. Um, so it'd be kind of like, uh, if I were going to have, uh, Metallica on, you know, the show, it's like, Hey, do you guys want to play, uh, some hand, hip- man. no, it'd be like, Hey, I want to hear you guys, uh, cover some, 1930s blues like I think that'd be cool you know I, should, some...
0: I would like to hear Metallica cover some 1930s blues like that so, sounds interesting
1: so funny enough and most people don't know this but um they we're the end of the show but I don't care it's my show so <laughs> you guys are along for this we'll go along um, for it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know for a fact that James Hetfield is super into blues. And if you listen to some of the albums that everyone hated that I really liked a lot, there are some heavy blues influences in uh, some of those riffs that are just musically really, really neat. But anyway, that's not what the show is (laughs) about. And we're at the end of it anyway. So, Hey man, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, it was a ton of fun. I hope to have you back on soon. All right. Thanks, John. All right. Love you, Caleb. Bye. Bye. Make sure you check out our website, ballisticradio.com, like our Facebook page at facebookcom radio, and hey, keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Only if you think we've earned it, though. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week. Don't